from the world famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Feels good to say that. Greetings again from Studio B at 5800 Airline Drive, the world headquarters of the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm Sean Kelly, and this is the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Will there be suspensions in the Atlanta-Indiana NBA playoff series? Wow, we could find out a little bit more about that today. That would have a great impact on a Game 7. And speaking of Games 7, that's in the plural. For the first time in NBA history, we're going to have three of them for your viewing pleasure tomorrow. So that'll be a great, great way to go about the weekend. Um, and, of course, uh, Jazz Fest this weekend and the Running for the Roses the uh, Kentucky Derby. So there'll be a mint julep or two uh, for the yours truly. Hi again, everybody. Uh, glad you're with us here today on this Friday. We're all NFL today. We've got to uh, really start to put a uh, wrap on our NFL draft preview series, and we're going to knock out three NFL teams so uh, picking uh, late in the first round on today's show, and then we'll be able to wrap things up on Monday with the defending Super Bowl champs, the uh, Seattle Seahawks, and I think we're going to try and get the uh, Kansas City Chiefs in there for you on Monday as well, as that's one team that we haven't been able to lock into our preview of all 32 going into Thursday's NFL draft. And then when we get past that, we're going to really zero in on the black and gold. We have a lot of great guests uh, in the pipeline for next week to help us understand more about what the Saints have done, what they may do, and what kind of an impact it could possibly have. And then we'll have some very special draft coverage for you that we'll talk more about next week. But it'll be uh, all yours on NewOrleansSaints.com with some stuff that you won't get anywhere else. So that should be a good way to go about the NFL draft, and we have a lot of hours ahead of us in preparing for that. Okay, so on today's show, three NFL teams. We're going to talk to the uh, Paul Perillo from Patriots Weekly, talk about the Pats. The 49ers, uh, we'll get some help from Taylor Price from 49ers.com. And then Benjamin Hockman, a columnist for the Denver Post, will give us his thoughts on the Broncos' offseason and what they may or may not do next week in the NFL draft. So if you're into football and you're into the NFL draft, this is a good spot for you to spend the next, oh, I don't know, 30, 35 minutes with us. And then we'll get ready for a great weekend here, weather-wise, things to do, and sports-wise in New Orleans. Daniel Sallerson's alongside. I'm Sean Kelly, and we'll be right back with Paul Perillo from Patriots Weekly next. There's no better time to join your Pelicans as we take flight. All-star Anthony Davis is taking his team to the next level, and the Pelicans are soaring to new heights. 2014-15 season tickets are on sale now and start at less than $300, with lower bowl options as low as $37 per game. Season ticket benefits include the best seat locations, discounts on concessions, and much more. Take flight with the Pelicans. For more info, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. Here's a valuable lesson I've learned as an Intergy customer. 
Saving energy saves you money. And the online videos at EntergySavings.com show you how. A few simple projects can make a big difference in your bill. In just a few hours, I knocked my monthly bill down by 20%. It was easy. From caulking windows to programming your thermostat, the Entergy videos walk you through it. Visit EntergySavings.com and start saving today. That's the power of people. Entergy. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Well, welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We'll continue our NFL Draft Preview Series. Here we are on Friday. By this time next week, we'll be really in the thick of it with regard to the NFL Draft. And like the Panthers yesterday with a 12-4 record last season, here we'll talk Patriots a little bit. We're also 12-4 in the 2013 season. And to help us out with New England at pick number 29, Paul Perillo, editor of Patriots Football Weekly. Good morning, Paul. Hey, good morning. I think we're all ready for the draft. I think the wait's <laughs> been long enough, don't you think? I absolutely do. We were actually talking about this in the office. I think this, um, you know, they just backfired a little bit on the NFL. I think people are sort of uh, out of gas waiting for the draft to happen. Uh, there's still obviously going to be a tremendous amount of uh, enthusiasm once it actually gets here, but I think this wait has been about two or three weeks too long. I think you're right, and, but I, and I'll be curious to see what happens because really driving the car here will be the NFL teams themselves. And I think, the, uh, as you mentioned, with regard to the weight or the pushback of the draft dates, the reviews have been somewhat mixed, but I'd be really curious when this is all said and done to hear what the general managers and coaches have to say about it. Yeah, I, I agree with you, uh, and, and I'm more curious to what, to what they say as opposed to what the league itself says because I know that the league will tell us that you know the ratings have never been better and you know the fans wanted this, and uh, they always tell us what we want um, as opposed to asking us what we want. Um, but I, I think you make a good point. It would be interesting to see what the teams themselves think, the, the, the decision makers and the, the evaluators and whatnot. And, you know, sometimes if you, I think the more you go in things like this, you get uh, that, you know, that paralysis by analysis. And, and I think at this point, I think most of the teams would just assume get, get their players uh, in the, uh, their facilities and get to work. Yeah, I think you and I are on the same page on that, and I'm hoping that the league and the coaches and the general managers all to find some kind of consensus, which seems almost impossible in this day and age. Absolutely. Paul, when we talk about the Patriots here at number 29, like the Saints at 27, we're talking about the end of the first round, virtually almost now a second-round selection for New England. What can we expect from the Patriots maybe next week on Thursday night? You know, it's funny, you know, picking down that low, you would think the team um, would probably have, uh, you know, a couple of specific things that they would be looking for. But I think with the Patriots, despite their success, they, they have a significant amount of holes that I think that they could go in a number of different directions. Now, uh, Bill Belichick has generally done a pretty good job of not getting himself pigeonholed into taking a position. Um, you know, he's like everybody else. I mean, some picks are, are for need, too, uh, not just the best player available. But Looking at the Patriots roster, I think they need a safety. Uh, that They could use a physical kind of a guy, a Rodney Harrison type, that they'd never really replaced since he retired uh, about five or six years ago. Uh, I think they could use a, a tight end because of what they've, uh, what's happened to them with Gronkowski in the past and, and how, just how different that offense looks. You guys would know the same thing with, with Jimmy Graham. You know, when he's out of the lineup or less than 100% for New Orleans, I think that they, they are impacted by that, and certainly that's been the case with Gronkowski. So those two spots, I think, would probably be high in the list. I think they could use an edge pass rusher like most teams, um, some depth on the, on the lines, both sides of the line, interior uh, and the offensive line. Uh, interior, the defensive line, uh, and uh, running back even. I, I really think there's four or five different positions that would make a lot of sense at the bottom of the first round. The Saints have, have shown in their draft history 
uh, some propensity for going after certain areas of the field. And then they feel like they can fill the other spots with either undrafted free agents or those diamonds in the rough. Have the Patriots shown any type of propensity for doing nearly the same thing? Yeah, they they have definitely leaned. They've drafted a lot of tight ends over the years. Um, they've drafted a lot of uh, a lot of linemen on both sides of the ball. And uh, you know how high they end up doing these things. You know, last year wide receiver was a big area of need. They really didn't have any wide receivers in the roster, and they they took one in the second round and one in the fourth round. That has been a position that they haven't really focused on early in drafts. Um, all that often. So it has changed a little bit, but I, I, I think that there have been some positions that the Patriots have been more, uh, you know, more willing to, to maybe fill in, uh, you know, with, with a, an undrafted guy or maybe get a veteran uh, free agent from somebody that's not necessarily a big, you know, big money guy, a big splash guy uh, and fill in uh, some of the spots in the interior offensive line, for example, uh, you know, they haven't, they haven't taken uh, – they took Nate Solder as a tackle in the first round, uh, what, three or four years ago now at this point. But then they're not generally going to take uh, guards and centers, uh, you know, first couple of rounds. Uh, they're not generally going to take those those kinds of guys. But when you look at the perimeter players, edge rushers, uh, cornerbacks, defensive backs, uh, you know, those kinds of guys, the Patriots have definitely gravitated toward, toward and I would put tight end in that group as well. Paul Perillo, editor of Patriots Football Weekly, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. All right, Paul, I don't think it's any uh, mystery or anything else. The Patriots love to play things close to the vest, but do they ever drop hints about names, perhaps, that you might see next week uh, during those three days? Yeah, they they don't really. I, I think that they are they're like every other team. I know that you know everybody talks about oh, you never get any information out of the Patriots, and that's true. You don't. Uh, people that think that they have an idea of what the Patriots are going to do. I think generally are wrong, but what what I think that you know come draft time, uh, I, I think most teams are like that. I think if you look at these mock drafts, that some of the guys that are really good at it do. I mean, they they'd be thrilled to get you know what six, seven, eight, nine maybe direct hits uh, for teams. So that's telling you that two thirds of their picks are wrong. So I think if if most teams were, were were dropping really subtle hints that were able to be picked up on, I think. You know the experts would do a better job of of identifying who who they're going to take. So the Patriots don't really even have a lot of pre-draft uh, contact. We did get a chance to to hear from Nick Casario, who is the general manager, um, er, earlier in the week, and uh, you know he talked about some depth in, in certain spots, and and I I think that, that those are the positions that we've mentioned. Uh, you know the, the defensive line is one area that he thought. Uh, was pretty deep, and I would expect that to be an area the Patriots are interested in early on. But, you know, in terms of anybody specific, uh, they, they leave you in the dark. Paul, uh, one more question for you. You mentioned the mock draft situations. Boy, does it make it hard to do a mock draft when you see all the trading that's happened uh, maybe in the last couple of years during the NFL draft. Do you, When you look at the draft class and where the teams lie in order here, um, do you expect a lot of trading to go on next week? Yeah, and I do, and I and I I am definitely buying the notion that this is a pretty deep draft. I think there are a lot of good players, but it's not really top heavy. I don't think there are a lot of you know proven. Uh, well, not proven. Obviously, no one's proven, but I don't think there's a lot of star power in this draft. But I do think that um, there's a, a a very logical argument to be said that you can get a very good player at twenty, thirty, forty. Uh, you know, really doesn't matter. I think with all of the underclassmen, I think there's about a hundred underclassmen in this draft. Um, that makes that's that's a hundred more players potentially that are that are good NFL uh, caliber players. So I, I think it does lead you to to want to trade down, and I do expect there to be a sig- significant amount of that. And you add into that uh, just 
the the uncertainty that surrounds the quarterbacks. You know, the teams that need quarterbacks, I don't think there's uh you know, there's no Andrew Luck or, or you know or Robert Griffin that everybody is in agreement going into the draft. Those guys are going to be top two, uh, top three picks at the worst. Johnny Manziel, Blake Bortles, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, these guys could go, all be gone in the top eight picks, and they all could be available in the 20s. So I don't really think anybody has a handle on that. And if oh, I would expect at least one of those guys to start dropping, and that just uh, further adds the uh, the incentive for a team to want to trade. No doubt, no doubt. Hey, good stuff, good intelligence stuff there, Paul. I really appreciate it. I hope you, uh, I hope you have an enjoyable time prepping for the draft next week. Yeah, well, well it's, it's been an enjoyable month and a half. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doing right. a lot it, of it. It's been stretched out. Paul Perillo, editor of Patriots Football Weekly, here with us on the Black and Blue Report. And we'll continue. We'll have more on the NFL draft, of course, coming up as we continue on this Friday here at the Black and Blue Report. Play mud books from the lottery. You can win up to $2,000. This is how we do it. Spice up your day with mud bucks. Win up to $2,000. Must be at least 21 to purchase. The party's just getting started, y'all. Are you ready for mud books? Here we go. Pick up mud bucks today. That's <laughs> how we do it down here. At NBAstore.com, we have the largest collection of gear for all 30 NBA teams, plus a few new specialty items like the OKC Thunder Encore warm-up pants that may have come straight from Kevin Durant's locker. Definitely not from Kevin Durant's locker. Or the Houston Rockets snapback hat that James Harden possibly wore while walking his dog this morning. James Harden not guaranteed to pre-wear your hat. Or maybe an official LeBron James jersey that we promise will make you look like LeBron from your neck to your waist. Promise not valid in the lower 48 states, Alaska, Hawaii, or any other place in the universe. Gear up with authentic NBA gear from NBAstore.com. One store, every team. Does your boss know you're listening? If not, turn it up louder. This is the Black and Blue Report. All right, NFL Draft Series continues on this Friday. Uh, We have Taylor Price from the San Francisco 49ers, senior reporter for 49ers.com, and the 49ers have the 30th pick in the draft. Taylor, thanks for coming on today. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. So let's talk about the 49ers, the 30th pick in the draft. They have a lot of draft picks. They have a two in the second round. They have a couple in the seventh. Um, so it seems like the 49ers have some work to do. Todd Taylor. Yeah, there's a lot of draft picks for the team this year, 11 as it currently stands. And hearing from general manager Trent Baalke this week, the team has the ammunition to move up in the middle parts of the first round if they choose to. I wrote about this week on 49 Trent Baalke has a track record of doing just that. Four drafts he's been at the uh, – the helm of the draft board, and two times he's moved up. Got Eric Reed last year, Anthony Davis in 2010. So the 49ers are in good position to move up and get a wide receiver, a cornerback, or anybody that they deem to be an impact player. They have the ammunition to go up and get that person. But as always, this draft is as deep as ever, so the 49ers could stay at 30 and get a great player at that spot. You mentioned the wide receiver and the cornerback position. Are those the two that they're looking to move up for if they do, or are there other positions that they're trying to fill during this draft? Well, with Trent Baalke at the general manager spot, you can always imagine him sitting there looking for the best players available. You don't need to force a need. If the 49ers went out and signed Brandon Lloyd, which they did this this, uh, last month, they don't need to force a wide receiver. He seems to be running well in the offseason workouts. The team is excited about his future coming back to the 49ers. So you don't necessarily have to rush and force a pick at wide receiver. With cornerback, they made some limited commitments. They have Tremaine Brock as the number one cornerback. 
They could add a cornerback to that group, and, and I could certainly see them focusing on that position, but they don't have to necessarily do that with the first-round pick. Having so many picks, three in the third round, for example, two in the second round, you have a, you have a lot of luxuries there. You can find a deep deeper cornerback uh, group. You can find somebody that you might not be reading about as a first-round talent, potentially could slip into the second round. The 49ers are in position to add a player whenever they choose to. So I wouldn't necessarily say quarterback wide receiver is the must-go-to must, must go to right now. They have so many options on the draft board, and they can, they can sort of take the best player available if they choose to. Is that what they, if they stayed at 30, would they do the best player available, or would they still try to fill some needs? Well, I think there's a lot of options there. I mean, you never know. There could be uh, another tight end, for example. There could be a, a pass rusher. I mean, you can never – so many positions that are specialized in the NFL, and pass rusher, for example – is a spot that you can always add depth at. You can never have too many great pass rushers with your nickel situation. So many teams in the National Football League, I'll throw the Saints out as an example, are going to the five wide sets. <clears throat> so you're going to need to have a lot of great uh, perimeter edge rushers in the National Football League. And the 49ers have some, some depth there, but you can never have too many good young pass rushers. So if they deem that there's one that you yeah, can't miss player, the 49ers will certainly – look to add all types of depth, and there's also inside linebacker as well, which I haven't mentioned, but Navarro Bowman coming off major knee surgery, they're going to have to create some competition to find his replacement to start the season. Are the Niners more focused on improving the defense or the offense, not only in free agent signing, but during the draft? You know, I I don't say it's one or the other. The way I look at it is there's not a lot of long-term commitments at cornerback they went out and signed Antoine Bethea to replace Dante Whitner. So you pair him with Eric Reed, you feel pretty good about your safety. Now, quarterback, you have Chris Culliver coming off a major knee injury. He appears to be the lead guy to, to play opposite of Tremaine Brock. So if you can get some more depth at cornerback, potentially have some competition, a rookie who could step in, maybe play some nickels, some special teams, you know, that's going to be very important. And another aspect of this first high second-round draft pick type player that they're going to bring in, It'd be a great bonus if he had some return ability. But Michael James is the team's kickoff and punt return man, but there's some questions about adding competition to him and, and seeing who can, if you can make him better through that process. So if you can find a young player who can return kicks, uh, return punts, maybe play as a slot receiver or a slot cornerback, that's something the 49ers should definitely examine, and I definitely think that they're looking at that as well in addition to just judging the overall skills of these players. Do you sense any pressure with the 49ers this offseason? You have the Seahawks who won the Super Bowl, the Cardinals who are emerging, had a winning record last year, and the Rams that are not too far behind. Do you get a little sense of pressure that the 49ers need to do some work in the draft or free agency just so they can keep competing in this division? You know, I think it's it's like that for every team and everywhere, and I, I know the 49ers are hungry, and, I, and I'm in the locker room talking to these guys, you know, writing stories on sort of their mindset going into the offseason and what they're working on. And there's guys like Tremaine Brock, who I mentioned, and, you know, he signed a four-year contract extension, and he could show up to the you know this voluntary workouts right now, but he's already back working out way before the workouts are supposed to start. Colin Kaepernick as well is a, is a notorious worker. He's always in the building working out. So these guys are focused. They know the task at hand, and they just love to be around football and be around the guys and, and lift weights together and compete. And so there is pressure to, uh, to, to stay atop the NFC West and sort of match with what Seattle did last year. They took it a step further than we were able to in 2012. So that's definitely out there. But these guys are motivated. They love their craft. They're, they're all about their job. And so I don't see any added pressure. I think these guys are just ready to start a new season. And, and that's the best part of this process, the draft. You know, which newcomers are coming into your team. 
how you're able to build from within and do that. And you look at the track record of Balky as GM, not too many big free agent splash signings. You know, they got Bethea this year. That was an important piece to this defense. Now you have 11 draft picks, and if you're able to find a Navarro Bowman in the third round, a Bruce Miller starting fullback in the seventh round, these are examples of finding players later on in the draft that can be impact starters for your team. And so I think the 49ers are in great position to do that again in 2014. It'll be a very interesting draft, that's for sure, coming on next Thursday, May 8th. That's Taylor Price, senior reporter for 49ers.com. Taylor, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. More to come on this Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Okay, you've just been told you have a serious heart issue. Congestive heart failure, a valve problem, a complex rhythm disorder. Now what? At Auctioner, we suggest you take a moment and do some research. When you do, you'll find Auctioner Medical Center has the only heart program in the region ranked among the nation's best by U.S. News & World Report. We routinely treat the most complex cases with revolutionary procedures such as surgical and non-surgical valve replacements and the total artificial heart. And we have the largest, most comprehensive program for treating arrhythmias in the Gulf South, offering options not available elsewhere in the region. At the end of the day, the most important thing to hear is... I just saw your test results, and they look great. No problems. Leading edge care. Just one more reason to choose an Auctioner-affiliated physician. For an appointment, visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Taking a break from Mayor Landry's pothole repair crew. Once again, here's Sean Kelly. All right, let's continue on the Black and Blue Report. Our NFL Draft Preview Series is winding down, especially when you talk about the two teams that participated in the Super Bowl last year, and that leaves us here with the AFC champion Denver Broncos at number 31. And our guest to talk about the Broncos offseason and the NFL Draft is uh, well-known to many in these parts, formerly of the Times-Picayune, now columnist for the Denver Post, Benjamin Hockman. Benjamin, how are you, my friend? I'm doing awesome, but man, it, it's hard talking New Orleans knowing that it's Jazz Fest going on right now, and I'm all the way up here in Colorado. Well, I won't tell you that the weather for Jazz Fest is going to be mid-70s sunshine and a little breeze this weekend. Oh, my God. I, I'm, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to get a beta and I'm going to get crawfish and just pretend I'm there. I'm going to sit in my, sit in my home and play Reverse Brass Band on, on, the, on the CD player. It's a good start, but you'll still be a long way away. Exactly. Very true. Very yes. True. Hey, Ben, uh, we're not doing a, a, mac, a mock draft per se. We're really trying to get a, a finger on the pulse of all 32 teams around the NFL and what's been the major storylines from the offseason, notably the free agency period, and then what you may uh, be feeling about their, their draft, uh, I guess, uh, plan or what they need to get out of the draft come next week so i guess we should start with the denver broncos and what's happened really since the super bowl what have they done to reshape retool fix up their ball club well it's funny heading into the super bowl everyone was talking about the juggernaut that is the denver broncos and then after the super bowl everyone was talking about the wimps that are the denver broncos they got smacked around on on both sides of the football in the big game so uh, what did John Elway, the GM, do? He made an investment in nasty. He went out and got three big-time uh, defensive players, 
Uh, and I, I was actually kind of mad because I, I knew they needed a safety, and I thought they were going to go after uh, my fellow Clayton Greyhound, Jarius Bird, but of course he ends up on your team. So who did Denver get? T.J. Ward, the safety from Cleveland, and then they got DeMarcus Ware and Aqib Tlaib, that cornerback. So suddenly the Broncos' defense, which had a lot of question marks, now has a lot of pro bowlers. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, some meanness to them too. Those are guys that play with a little bit of an edge. Yeah, and, and also a chip on their shoulder. Uh, you look at a guy such as DeMarcus Ware, who is arguably a Hall of Famer, one of the better players of his generation, but last season playing with an elbow injury uh, was, was just pedestrian. And then he comes in and he says, you know, I mean, goodness gracious, the, the Cowboys didn't, his team, they didn't even want him back. So he, he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. He understands that, or he believes that he's still DeMarcus Ware. Obviously, Jerry Jones and those guys don't think so. So, uh, it'll be very fun to watch him and Von Miller, who's coming back from an, an ACL injury, uh, to see the two of them bookend for the Denver Broncos. All right, so let's talk about the draft. The Broncos picked so late in the first round, obviously because of their success this past season. But what do you think they're going to try and do here with the draft? Are there any things that they can fill uh, when you look at where they're selecting and what's out there as, as far as the draft class goes? Well, when you look at the Denver Broncos, I think their biggest need is starting quarterback. I'm just kidding. Um, um, I, I, I mean, the good problem to have is that they don't have many holes to fill. Uh, they also got uh, wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders in free agency because they lost Eric Decker, key of the E-Reality Show. I don't even remember what it's called, but he and his wife have an E-Reality Show that, that must see TV if you want to hate watch something. Um, but I, I think here are the positions they need to, need to fill. Um, they've got a spot on their offensive line. And they need a middle linebacker. Now, we know that middle linebacker isn't like the days of the Dome Patrol or even back with, like, Ray Nitschke and those guys. I mean, middle linebacker isn't on the field that much. But, but Denver was, was starting a guy named Paris Lennon, who was so old. How old was he? He actually played in the XFL. Uh, and that guy started in the Super Bowl last year. And uh, I don't think he's coming back. So they need a guy. And uh, so that's what they're looking for. I've counted at least a half a dozen pop culture references, and I will put XFL <laughs> in the X, uh, in the pop culture uh, realm there. So uh, very good. When you talk about uh, was there was there a hangover from the Super Bowl, Ben, and and is it gone now? Are we ready to turn the page for the Broncos? It's a good question. It was gone the day they splurged and signed all those dudes I mentioned. Uh, leading up to that. Uh, there, there was a couple weeks there. I can't remember exactly how many months or days or whatever it was before free agency. But I mean, it was bad around here. I mean, uh, it was it was it was depressing. It was probably like uh, Indianapolis was after the Saints won the Super Bowl, or, or maybe even crazier because they had come so far the previous year to try to win the Super Bowl and lost to Baltimore in the playoffs in that that crazy double overtime, whatever, and then. This year, they finally get to the Super Bowl, and then they just get embarrassed, 43-8. to eight. One dude sent me a, uh, a tweet, a Broncos fan. This sums it up. He, he was going to a hotel, and they had given him room 438, which is 43-8, to eight, the score. And uh, he asked to switch rooms. He was so, so infuriated to, to be associated with those numbers. So that, that's Broncos fans. I mean, it was just a terrible hangover. And, uh, I mean, to, not just to lose the Super Bowl, but to be embarrassed. And, and if you recall, Sean, in the way the Super Bowl started, I mean, the Broncos were in that game for like 10 seconds maybe. The, kick, the kickoff, and then, then the guy ran it out. And like from that point, 
Broncos were in the game. And then as soon as the uh, the ball was hiked and it went over Peyton's head for safety, uh, the game was over in a lot of people's minds. And uh, sure enough, uh, Denver was never in it. Having been to Denver so many times, this totally makes sense. I can totally understand what you're saying. Ben, ben Hockman with us from the Denver Post. Uh, ben, real quick before we get out of here, uh, because of what you have mentioned with regard to the Broncos being on the cusp, first being on the cusp of getting to the Super Bowl in the loss to Baltimore, and then, of course, the Super Bowl that is so recent in everybody's memory, two things I think are going to come into play here. Number one is strength of schedule. That will increase because of their success. Number two is uh, all these teams now have so much film and ways to try and go after that team. Are, are they still capable with those two, I guess, speed bumps in the way of, of being on the cusp again or at least contending for that thing? Yeah, a lot, a lot of people around Denver, Sean, are saying that maybe Denver will just go uh, ten and six or eleven and five, as opposed to the thirteen and three record they had the past two seasons. Uh, so yeah, I mean, strength of schedule is—it's definitely a hot topic uh, here in town. And uh, but I, I mean, there's there's definitely confidence uh, in this team. The one thing that, that with your question that maybe came to mind was the, the running back position. Last year they had no Sean Moreno. And uh, he, he had an amazing season statistically. But in, in the modern NFL, uh, he, they, they feel they can replace him with, with Monte Ball, who was a second-round pick the previous year. And it's kind of funny to me because Noshan had over 1,000 yards rushing and over 60 catches. Uh, if this was like 1996, he'd be like the hottest, pros- or hottest product on the uh, free agent market. Instead, he'd sign with Miami like three weeks after free agency for just a couple million dollars. So uh, it, I guess my point of my rambling is that uh, it's interesting that they had a guy who was so productive, and they said, you know what, we're going to get rid of you, and we're going to give this uh, unproven rookie, uh, Monte Ball, we're going to give him the ball, in uh, pun, pun intended, uh, for a Super Bowl-bound team, a Super Bowl-contending team. It, it's somewhat of a gamble, but clearly John Elway's made a lot of right moves over the past couple of years. Sounds very Mike Shanahan-like, back when he would just cycle running backs through left and right. Yeah. This is, a, this is a, I guess, a throwback to some previous Denver great teams. Yeah. So, um, Good stuff. Hey, by the way, Crawfish Monica, I think that might be my favorite Jazz Fest food, so maybe you can whip some of that up this weekend in Denver. Oh, man, for me it's the crawfish bread. If anybody yeah. listening, go have a piece of crawfish bread uh, for me. Good stuff. You're a man of the world, Ben Hockman, and I appreciate you coming on with us. Thanks, John. Take care, man. You bet. Benjamin Hockman with us from the Denver Post as our NFL Draft Preview Series continues here on the Black and Blue Report. Hey there. What you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well... Tonight, we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm going to hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. He must be a big deal since he's verified on Twitter. 
He's Sean Kelly, and this is the Black and Blue Report. It's about time to wrap things up here on this Friday and turn out the lights at Studio B at 5800 Airline Drive. I'll make sure that Daniel's out of the room first before we uh, turn down the lights and power down the uh, super studio here at the headquarters for the Saints and the Pelicans. going to be a great weekend. I hope you really enjoy it. Uh, we're going to wrap up our NFL Draft Preview Series on Monday when we talk about the Chiefs and the Seattle Seahawks, and then we'll turn our attention uh, in uh, most in-depth with the New Orleans Saints, of course. Uh, don't forget, if you did not catch the Monty Williams interview earlier this week right here on this program, go back into the Black and Blue Report archive and check that out. It's a great way to kind of put a wrap on some things with regard to Coach Williams. And we probably won't have too much more Pelican stuff to talk about until ooh, almost the 20th of May. That's the NBA draft lottery. We're going to start, certainly talk NBA because when we come back to you next week, we're going to know the second round of the NBA playoffs. And that will be very exciting. Don't forget, three games, seven tomorrow in the NBA playoffs, the Kentucky Derby. And uh, be smart out there with regard to Jazz Fest, Daniel. Enjoy the boss tomorrow, my friend. It'll be very cool. And uh, we'll see you back here on Monday. Don't forget, this is No Appointment Radio. It's yours any weekday, sometime afternoon central, and uh, at your leisure at New Orleans Pelic- or, excuse me, New Orleans Saints.com, Pelicans.com, iTunes, and, of course, most easily available on the two-team apps, which you should download on your mobile device if you have not already. And that'll do it for us here from Metairie in Louisiana. For Daniel Salerson, I'm Sean Kelly. Happy weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report. 